Hi friends, this is Editor Joe here. Just wanted to apologize for uh, not posting an episode last week that was unplanned. Um, circumstances conspired such that I entirely forgot to edit down an episode to post. Uh, so you should have gotten this episode last week. And for that, I am deeply sorry. Uh, we haven't run out of content or anything. This was solely on me. Um, and life circumstances, along with a trip out to visit my parents, resulting in me completely forgetting to actually edit an episode down for you to listen to. So, this is my apology. Um, enjoy this episode, and we shouldn't have any interruptions of service for the foreseeable future. Bye! Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Alchemist Club. I'm Joe, your host and dungeon master for another thrilling D&D adventure. Joining me here today we have... Daniel, playing Chad Fleek. Kale, playing Desmond. I'm Zach, and I play Falrock. I'm Matt, and I play Leyland. Waffle, playing Tarajux. We have acquired no fan mail in the space between the previous episode and this one. But we have been posed with a philosophical question. Does anybody really know that Waffle exists? Has anybody ever seen Waffle? Met Waffle? Uh, perhaps gotten a hold of his social security number and birth date? What? For, you You're know, asking a lot of questions. <laughs> For somebody uh, in black man distance. I'm what? sorry, in what, what distance? <laughs> Black, black man. man. Oh, I definitely oh, heard black heard man, and I was like, oh. "What?" <laughs> heard black hand. I'm like, "Is that a? That's is a, that a spell you're gonna cast?" Well, on no, the that's the Assassins Guild from uh, the Elder Scrolls. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> wildly different no, interpretations I, of what's going on there. A panel uh. van, unmarked, without plates, is gonna roll up on you and kidnap you to a. <laughs> a government site that does not exist on any record book and that will be that and you will be replaced by a celebrity voice actor oh who are we gonna get so i'm getting upgraded yeah 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 yeah. um who do you want to play chad because i can i have some pull like i mean obviously matt mercer okay yeah sure <laughs> what? Wow. that's an upgrade like going on wouldn't he backseat dm or is he not that kind of guy no he's he's too cool he's for probably that. not yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's he's much too secure in his own DMing skills to backseat somebody else's DMing. Yeah, yeah. And every like everywhere that I have seen him, like, and maybe it's just a public persona, I don't know, but he seems like you just see a, a, lot? a ridiculously nice person. Yeah. So Yeah, I I feel like Matt Mercer would be a, a good choice. Yeah. Um I, I will be right back. Something just came up. Like thirty seconds. Okay. Uh, in fact, while we're waiting for Waffle to return, I eventually I will just have Matt Mercer playing everybody on the Alchemist Club. It's we don't really need anybody else. It's kind of just more efficient that way, <laughs> and more entertaining. Do we just give him the script, or do we just let him take over? I mean, obviously we... he has to do his homework and listen to all two hundred, however many episodes first to kind of see what's <laughs> going on. But once that once yeah, he's but... done that, like. I think all he needs is a recap episodes and then just say here are the reins. Capture the sheer chaos that we get up to sometimes. I feel like like he. I feel like yes, 
based on the little I know about Critical Role. But once he replaces Joe, would he introduce himself as Matt or Joe? Oh. That's really the only issue with this whole scheme. Well, it would get a little confusing if he was Matt playing every character. So he's got to create sub-personas. Dungeon Master. Uh I'm Matt playing Chad Fleek. I'm Matt playing Desmond. Yeah. I that it's we'll we'll work it out. I that's the only snag I can foresee here. Yeah, the, the only, only the only real reason why Matt Mercer is not on the show. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Waffle's back. Uh, who wants to recap what happened? Well, assuming Waffle exists anyway. Uh, yeah. Who wants to recap what happened last time on the Alchemist Club? Uh, we arrived at the church where Desmond was doing things picked him up picked up some orphans uh we finally have orphans uh press ganged into service aboard teliferous we've no, crossed we the moral you event horizon, the no, moral event horizon. finally as as in this was on our checklist of things to i'm just to saying do. that like in a in a D party's life the great arc of their accomplishments eventually they will use orphans to fight in uh, unsanctioned state conflicts, and we've achieved that point. So, you know, milestone reached, I guess. Yeah, we won't be Barack shoving them been... down chimneys to clean Barack them out. Barack has been we'll teaching them a... very important life skills to keep them from being press ganged into service by the rest of the crew. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep giving them funny disguises. Look, if if they get press ganged into service, they're getting polymorphed into something that can actually fight. Oh my god. <laughs> there we go. Hell yeah. I, it's hey, honestly hey, one of the hey, safest things that they bear? could do to them. Do you want to be a bear? Imagine the childlike wonder in the eyes of an 11-year-old boy who gets told, Hey, I'm going to turn you into a Tyrannosaurus Rex so you can go defeat those bad guys. Right? Imagine. Uh-huh. <laughs> Talk about, like... Immor- immortality complex or some kind of Superman complex. They'll they'll feel invincible. Yeah. Oh, but they'd be insufferable afterwards. Don't be mean yeah. to me, or else I'm going to turn into a Tyrannosaurus hey. again. Well, they don't they don't have that switch. We have that switch. Yeah, but that's what they'll tell people. Oh, One time, wow. I turned into a Tyrannosaurus and I beat a whole bunch of bad guys. <laughs> and I ate a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they, might get, they might get scarred by that. That is kind of messed up, actually. Yeah. What happens oh, if oh, you fall? Oh, is it? Is it? No, I mean the cannibalism aspect, not the turning children into dinosaurs. Oh. Also, also, what happens when you so polymorph the, into a murder. T-Rex, eat someone, and at, and while they're digesting, you polymorph back? Oh, well, their matter just... Magic. Yeah, magic's away. You just feel yeah. very satisfied. We can all turn into T-Rexes. All uh, all Daniel has to do is summon eight pixies, have four of them polymorphous into T-Rexes, and have the other four cast fly. <laughs> I can conjure Faye. I, I mean, as barons, <sighs> we could probably make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't That's be a... the worst thing that you had Faye creatures do worst, to us, that is a That is a big favor to call in, though. So. Yeah. I'd no, it, to, would, it would be like a last resort thing. Yeah. Well, let's let's <laughs> check in with up, these. 
Desmond no. and we left. I mean, yeah. if, I, we were, if I were crew on the Valor of Jux and I saw four T-Rexes <laughs> flying at me at, like, you <laughs> know, full speed. Even, like, at, yeah. even at 50 feet, as, 50 feet around, yes, I would be concerned. My only request is that when they fly, the animation has to be like they're walking through the air. <laughs> it's either that or they have, like, tiny little wings on their backs. <laughs> I mean, that's also acceptable. Polymorph <laughs> non-functional wings. Yeah, I I would allow that if it's not contributing anything to the overall like. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm all for some yeah, flavor right. shape. Some flavor shape. Yeah. Flavor, <laughs> flavor shape. It's what's for dinner. <laughs> you know, I I I enjoy some function shape, but I also I also like the flavor shape too. It's unfortunately it always almost always manifests itself as horror but it can be it can be cute it can be rad little became like a a fucking my little pony anyway this this has been <laughs> a wonderful conversation that reflects wa- well on all of us um so we we we're... picked up Desmond and the orphans we went to slicer's coordinates the safe way uh, Tarjux and Ched were dropping down and then landed through an illusion into Gnomish War Camp. Yep. And I look for the the biggest war tent and land next to it. Okay. I look for a, a nearby um, soldier? Squire? Guard? Squire. Okay. <laughs> how, so... how militarized are these gnomes? Fairly, fairly well. Um, so you and Terrajux are down there. The rest of the party has no idea what's going on. Yep. Yeah. Not a I uh, I radio up on the sending stone and go, "This is Eagle One. We are cleared for landing. Over." Uh, well, they they probably don't uh, know exactly. You're gonna want to watch uh, where you put her down. It's a little crowded in here. Uh, you maybe want to specify. Yeah, yeah. I but, I start looking like, around. For you all disappeared. A so, and there, I wouldn't be surprised if there's communication like jams as well. So we're probably not even getting that. Maybe eventually Leolin will be able to sense shadows. He won't need to see them to shift into them. Because if it was like an illusionary illusionary situation like this, he might be able to tell there are shadows down there without being able to. You know, see them. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna try and, and make contact with somebody who is in charge, um, and uh, and explain that we've arrived. Just let them know. Uh, so you you flap over the tents for a moment and see a. A small knot of gnomes that are all like pointing up at Teliferous and then pointing at you, and it seems like they're probably the ones that you want to talk to. And I fly on over and land and give them a gnome city salute. <laughs> Hopstonopolis hop. I give them a Hopstonopolis hop. The Hopstonopolis um, special. I do yeah. the uh, the the Night Stalker two hand gesture, which is it's kind of like a. Some people would call it oh. the thriller, but that is incorrect. It is the Night Stalker gesture. <laughs> right. Do we see any familiar faces? Uh, yes. 
you see, God, what's her name? Help me out, Waffle. Oh, uh, who are we talking uh, about? Pinona uh, Humplebumple? Yes, Pinona <laughs> Humplebumple. Yeah. And I, I give Pinona a flourishing bow. I say, Pinona, you're looking well. Good to have you here. I was uh, worried we were going to miss the party. So sorry about that. We had some staffing issues. Uh, uh, perfectly understandable, I, I guess. We're still... Um, kind of getting ready for, for the assault, and we weren't going to start without you anyway. We figured you'd be a kind of critical part of the plan. Well, uh, um, um, speaking of, we've got a tree up in uh, the stratosphere right now. Where do you want me to put that? She gestures to a patch of land that has been kept clear for this specific purpose. Excellent. Um, I am going to I'll go out there with glow sticks, maybe, or I'll do something to flag the ship down. You know, you could just work. fly up there and pilot it. Yeah. I'll just do that. Uh, I I depart, and I go to fetch Deliferous. Okay. Uh, you land without issue. Um, Ched is kind of standing there awkwardly amongst the gnomes. <laughs> excuse you. I'm excused. Yeah, so you land. And then I vault back down into place. Uh-huh. And... And... Presumably uh, the rest of the party follows, question mark? Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, follow on down. Okay. I suppose. I guess. Hail and well met. Um, you are greeted by... Panona Humplebumple. Uh who then introduces the lot of you to uh, another gnome, uh, one you haven't met before, uh, who goes by the name of Rettlepop. She is dressed in the closest thing you've seen to a military uniform mm -hmm. outside of the like ornithopter groups that oh, you, you've interacted with uh, in Hopstonopolis. Huh. Um... And Panona gestures and says, um, Rettlepop here is our chief strategist assigned to this operation. Um, she's overseeing all of the various different camps and groups that are involved with the, the assault that we're planning here, doing all the coordinating, making sure that everything's all lined up and ready to go. Um... And she will be explaining things to you. Uh, any questions that you have that you would like answered. Um, and telling you about your role in this particular venture. Um, would my background as a soldier give me any indication to Rettlepop's rank? Like, does she have an insignia? or? Uh, she does, but you have no idea what military hierarchy is like for gnomes of Hobstonopolis. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I'll, I'll give something of a salute then and say, good to be here. Glad we're working together. Um, for Rettlepop, frankly, I'll just put it this way. We're uh, maybe not the best in the strategic planning department, um, but we've got the force where it counts and the metal to get it done. So just say what needs to happen and uh, we'll take this thing down. Good. That's exactly what we were looking for. 
because there was no way in hell we were going to let the five of you plan anything strategic about <laughs> about this assault. Of course. Well, our how updated are they on our abilities? Do they know everything that we can do now? Since unlikely. Do you know okay. everything that you can do now? No, but I have a better that idea. On our abilities doesn't help at all with our strategic planning, <laughs> as we have found. Their, their strategic planning. I'm trying to make sure they have all the info they need to. She holds up a hand and says, we are appraised of your general strengths, and frankly, all your your part in this, you have two overall roles. (laughs) The first is that your tree ship will serve as a diversion, along with our uh, assigned ornithopter cores here. Okay. The second is that you, the five of you, will be transported onto the bridge of the Valor of Drux. Well, you'll be transported onto our um, opening on the Valor of Drux and make your way to the bridge where you will take control of the ships. Uh, Bridge, eliminate, or capture any command staff and hold position there. Okay. Um, First question... Do we have any idea what the offensive capabilities of the Valor of Jux is? Uh, the Teliferous is durable, but I don't know that it can go toe-to-toe. Is there any risk of long-range ordnance fired from Valor of Jux being a serious threat to the Ornithopter Core or to Teliferous? To the Ornithopter Core, no. The She gestures for you to follow her into... Uh, a large tent that's mostly open. Like, it's more okay. of a, a canopy than a tent, really. Um, yeah. And there are tables with papers and diagrams and uh, all that jazz kind of scattered about. And she plops down uh, a rough schematic of the Valor <laughs> of Jux um, and kind of unfurls it and, and points. And she says... The Valor of Jux's primary offensive capabilities are in the form of of what we've taken to call a lightning cannon, which is capable of launching bolts of electricity great distances um, and incinerating whatever they, they come into contact with. Right. This is what the Teliferous is going to be doing, is drawing the fire of this lightning cannon... Um, and serving as a distraction so that the Valor of Jux does not see what else is happening uh, on the field here. Okay. The Valor does not have much in the way of, let's say, small small arms fire. It doesn't have a dedicated way built in of dealing with something like ornithopters. Conversely, ornithopters can't really do anything to damage the exterior without the use of heavy ordnance. We've had some advances in that particular field, so we think we'll be able to frighten them enough to deploy the glider cores that are on board the Valor of Jux to defend against this exact sort of thing. So, our ornithopters will be drawing out personnel that would otherwise be in your way 
on the Valor itself, while Teliferous occupies the main gun and keeps their attention away from this camp. That all seems sound. How minimal should the damage to the Valor of Jux be? Are you trying to recover it? Are you trying to use it? Do you? We're dropping it into the void. Okay, I just want to make sure that that is still their plan, because... Just getting to the ship and controlling the bridge is one thing, but can we make a ruckus along the way? You are welcome to use whatever means necessary to uh, take the bridge. And honestly, it would be ideal for our people if you made a great deal of noise because you would be distracting them from the other team that is going to be responsible for uh, freeing the elementals that are powering the ship. How... Keep the focus on us. How big a target could the lightning cannons hit? I, or how small, rather? We don't have good data on that. It hasn't been fired very often. The smallest target we've seen it used on is a bandit camp. Um, there have been reports of it being used on lone travelers, uh, highway robbers on horses, but we've been unable to substantiate those. Okay. Hmm. All right. Um, let's, uh, I, I'd like to huddle with the group here for a second. Um, just uh, a couple things may present wrinkles to the strategy, Panona. Um, first and foremost, Teliferous does not operate if we move too far from the controls. Uh, Desmond can speak a little bit more at length. He knows the ship systems best, but um, they are biocoded in a sense to the five of us. So um, that's correct. And I can't um, hold all the positions at once without. Well, it's only for a very short amount of time. So it, it would have straining. to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we're talking minutes here. Secondly, uh, the mythol that powers Teliferous is still, uh, shall we say, underclocked from its glory days, and our shields may so, not be able to withstand the lightning gun for more than a few volleys. Right. My suggestion would be to, like, double the shields in, like, one area. Yeah, if we could, if we could get extra power from the gnomes in some way and then power up the shielding, that would also be something to pursue i think since we're and i sweep my hand around among the first and foremost magical artificers of the plane the control is the bigger issue i think one of us is going to have to stay back and pilot teliferous that ought to be me yeah that's you have the most experience running the full ship but also i don't um, think you're physically capable of keeping terrajux off of the valor of jux I am required to be there. And we need Fall Rock. We're gonna need, I think we're going to need Fall Rock's muscle for the uh, as much of a distraction as possible. Yes. I do have my reservations about allowing a secondary team to be the sole benefactors of the elemental freeing and banishment process. I think... It would be good for us to be on site for that as well, in case something goes wrong. Rattle Pop puts down the diagram and climbs up onto the table, so she is <laughs> eye level with you. 
And she puts a finger in your face and says, if you are found anywhere near the engine room, every single gnome on this operation leaves, and we blow up the ship behind you, behind us, elemental still inside. Got old. My expression does not change, and I say, yes, ma'am, understood. Don't get caught. She hops down off the table and says, the Valor of Jux isn't the only thing we've been gathering information on. We're well aware of your interest, let's say, in in the elementals. What kind of interest? It's merely my point that Someone ought to tell them that not all humans are as inclined to imprison them and siphon their life force. Perhaps maybe someone could try to make the distinction for them between monsters like Alabaster and the rest of us so that repercussions that will inevitably rebound onto this plane from the one of air might be lessened. The Aarakocra have a pretty close relationship with the plane of air I, I think that they could probably even just the foundation of that relationship is probably enough to protect our plane from a, a air elemental plane incursion like i i don't think they're gonna come I, I don't think they think that everybody on this plane the prime materia or on this planet is worth killing or worth starting a war for I think they're going to be angry about what is done to them, rightfully so. I just worry that that anger is going to be misplaced and fall down upon the people of Jux, where it does not deserve to land. The I want to do everything in my power to prevent that. The yeah, it's like, what is their... We, we don't know what their plan is with the elementals, so... Yeah. What is their plan? Or what is your plan? Banish them, right? They will be returned to their home plane, and they will not return to threaten the the people of Jux unless they are specifically summoned to do so. There you go. Fair Jux, we ask them for help. We have to have some trust that they can do their part as they have trust we can do ours. Of course. We have to give up some control here. It's We can't do this on our own. It's enough. Just be ready for it to not go that smoothly. It seldom does. Well, it never goes smoothly when we try to do things ourselves, so this is already an advantage. Yeah, don't worry about the bridge. We'll take care of anyone and anything that is there and attempting to operate the Valor of Jux. Speaking of, do we know Ravenwood's current position? Will he be aboard during this operation? It's uncertain if the uh, military advisor to the Emperor will be present on the Valor of Jux. Um... The, the Valor will be making an unexpected detour uh, to this location upon receiving word of something requiring its attention uh, from our agents placed within the court. So we cannot confirm one way or the other whether or not he will be present here. Well, mm. loose ends to deal with later, I suppose. Is there any um, risk to like the citizen of Jux while we do this operation? Only if we drop the airship on a city, which, if everything goes smoothly, won't happen. Correct. 
Um, I'm trying to think of anything else here operationally that we need to know. Because um, the just so I remember the plan, because uh, it's been a while since we were at Hofsonopolis and we discussed this as like a big council. They because they wanted to minimize loss of life, basically, which is understandable and reasonable. Um, we were going to try to secure the bridge and then basically send out like an all hands abandoned ship message, right? Is that still? Are we still doing that? That's perfectly reasonable to me. Because right. yeah, that seems seems like a fair idea. Uh, and then. I, uh, again, I, I assume she's still standing up on the table, like, eye to eye here, having this, uh, yeah, you're a loose cannon, Terrajux, you're off the forest, handing you badge. Um, again, eye contact with Redopop, and I say, once we have secured the bridge, do I have permission to pilot this vessel over the edge, Commander? She taps her fingers on the the table in front of her and says we would prefer to be able to salvage some of this um but we've agreed that whatever ends up happening to the she gestures kind of vaguely at the air to the superstructure of the valor of jux is ultimately your decision all right i can work with that how are how are the gnomes going to handle any political ramifications of this move? That is a question that Your is question. still being debated uh, in the patent office, but we'll figure things out. And I appreciate your concern. Well, I guess the only question left is when do we start? Well, we can send out the signal to our agents in the, the Court of Jux at any time. We anticipate from time of signal reception, uh, it will take approximately a day and a half for the Valor to arrive, assuming that it leaves immediately and moves at full speed. We have agents in place on the crew that will keep us apprised of the situation as it unfolds. Um, Current estimates place the arrival at an actuality of two and a half days. Well, let's just make the call now, then. Yeah. I if, look if up to the sky and say, beautiful weather to commit treason. <laughs> Very well. Uh, she turns and nods to Pannona, who... Uh, snaps off a Hopstonopolis salute and exits the tent. And uh, Redlepop turns back to you and says, I'll show you to the tents that we have set aside for you, uh, unless you'd prefer to stay on your ship, which I would understand. Um, we did have to dig through storage to find tents that were, you know, sized correctly. They're a little dusty. The gesture is appreciated, mm. but we should probably stay within our security perimeter just for making sure that absolutely nothing goes wrong with Teliferous's operational capacity. 
We do have some non-combatants on board who will need to make use of these tents, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, the orphans. I we already had Basil and Ivy. Probably need, well, we probably should give the, the dwarfs the option as well, because yeah. this is pretty much yeah. a, you know... High combat scenario. They will and... be the bait for something called a lightning cannon, so... Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the only two things uh, still on my roster then would be over the next couple days, I want to try to get in touch with like a gnomish quartermaster about uh, some magic items that we can feed to the mythal to power up the shields. And then the other would be I want to exhaustively study the schematics of the Valor of Jux or whatever partial schematics we have. How long of a metal wire do they have as well? Ooh. What are you up to? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure the the norm the gnomish like smithies here could produce a, a length of wire as long as you needed it to be. So stupid idea, but In? Uh, stupid what idea. Wow. <laughs> what if we made a lightning rod for Deliverus? Oh my god! But <laughs> what if? What if we just had a, a giant wire grounding us the entire time? If oh, like all the way down that they the... are. <laughs> if it truly is that they are shooting lightning, then they, they it can't be completely accurate. Like, right. So, yeah. Right. Well, and I'm I, I mean, I'm not sure the exact difference between magical lightning and regular lightning in terms of you know, grounding being useful, but. Would I like? I think if if anyone would know, it would be Terrajux. Like, <laughs> would I know if my lightning interacts weirdly around like ground lines or gutters or like? Uh, have I ever encountered a situation where I fired lightning into a grounded surface and it behaved contrary to what I intended? <laughs> I would say that you have like a basic idea of of grounding. This is something that the glider core would need to have some education on so that you know you can fly and also traverse in storms. Yeah. And of course the people at the Hall of Mysteries have done a lot of work with electricity. So I w I would say that you have a decent understanding of how conductivity okay. and grounding works. It's a very cool idea. It does limit the Teleferis' mobility while tethered, but it could be a very potent defense. It's like well, a final... That's, that's why I was wondering, like, how much wire could we get a hold of to ground? So, if yeah, it's unfeasible, it's unfeasible, but it's an thousands idea. Thousands of feet. Yeah. Well, water would ground things, too. Uh... But being up in the air, like, you need a connection to the ground. Yeah. Hmm. The idea here is that we have a cable trailing all the way from Teliferous to the continent itself while in flight. I mean, it's something like, let's propose it to the gnomes and see if they can do it. But yeah, um, some kind of additional countermeasures against lightning would be uh, good. Because I am uh, unfortunately not immune to lightning yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, I would absolutely volunteer to just throw myself in the barrel. 
Um, okay. I... God, it's so weird being a caster without any, like, prepared spells or anything, because I don't have anything over the next couple days that's going to be like, alright, I'll swap out my spells and I'll get ready. It's just like, Tarajux is always ready. Uh-huh. Um, actually, you know what I'm going to do, other than my usual listening at the wind, uh, you know, intel gathering. I want to brush up on my, like, Juxian... Uh, military lingo and codes and things like that and so that my impersonation of an officer can be as believable as possible and also see if they have any spare Juxian airman uniforms like if they've managed to pilfer any um, you are upon asking provided with they don't have any uniforms in your size <laughs> um, but you are provided with a copy of the latest Juxian like codes and passphrases uh, and excellent. all that. I am going to be rehearsing those. Splendid. Anybody else doing any major prep work? Well, thing I wanted is back and being worked on at, at uh, <laughs> yeah, in another town. So. Don't think I can have that expedited and shipped, so... Yeah, uh, Gaia unfortunately doesn't have, I, I guess, whatever the equivalent of Amazon would be. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of what the, like, great you know, natural feature... Yeah. Eversy Prime. I mean, what, um... What about the woods where the the forest that the elves live in? The Great Wood, I think it is? Or what? I forget the name. The wood elves are in the Great Wood. Yeah. Oh, so I don't I don't want I don't want to go. This guy's Great weird. Wood I don't I don't want to. You found one exiled <laughs> colony. That's not like the general population of the Great Wood. No. Racist. <laughs> <laughs> Calling other elves weird is racist. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so Falrock, are you are you working? Terajux, Falrock, are you working on this lightning rod idea at all? Yeah, I'd, I'd go to the smiths and ask what the the possibility is of creating a lightning rod like this. Um, they huddle and. Uh, discuss and they're like that's an excellent idea and immediately set to work drawing uh, lengths of wire out for you uh, I would also <laughs> like to float another idea that just popped into my head while we're in the workshop of um, if it's not possible to get a cable that goes all the way down could we route the lightning into some kind of magical capacitor to like charge it or store it and that would give us a buffer of like a couple shots yeah, like straight into the mythol. Yeah, like, like could we ground it into the mythol instead of the ground and just like every shot is just a, like a little bit of a power pip. Feed me, Seymour. Um, they half of the gnomes you talk to about this are very excited at the prospect of getting to tinker with a mythol. And the other half are like, you are going to blow up the entire continent. <laughs> yep. Do not touch. Yep. 
<laughs> and I'm about, I'm like exasperated and about to list off alphabetically every single dangerous object we've thrown into the mythol and Falrock has to physically restrain and drag me <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, Falrock appears Falrock behind you. Looks at you and says, Brock Biters. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's great. No. No, it wasn't. Look, a, a little bit of lightning is not going to trip the Mythal's defense measures. We literally fed an orb of pure death into it. If it can eat that, Listen. it can eat anything. Listen. Look, I know, in theory, the chances of this blowing up the continent are next to zero. But that's just a theory. And if we can't get to zero, no. Right. Also, you you have experience with gnomes before, and you know that the the odds of that happening are higher than if you were not working with gnomes. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> if this was Dine Gaia working on capacitors, it's a different story. Yeah. Okay. There's a reason we gave the patent to their smiths and not these guys. Uh huh. Yeah. No offense, but come on now. Racist. But you wanted your Look. gloves to not also irradiate you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would just make you all stronger. Yeah, it would. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, after a few hours, they have a very long spool of wire. Um, Damn, that's quick. They're very efficient. Like, they have semi automated wire pulling. Ah, Ooh, super nice. Cool. Um, so, Great. yeah, okay. that is, that is a thing. Um, yeah. Anything, anything else? I'm, I'm trying to drag this out because we've got maybe 10 to 15 minutes left of recording, which isn't <laughs> enough time to start the assault on the Valor uh -huh. of Jux. It could be. <laughs> it's not. No. 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 Um... um Chet's going to leaf through some, uh, you know, some some books on the different kinds of life found on the Prime material. <laughs> um, where, and where are you getting these books from? Where am I getting these books from? Yeah. From all the libraries we've visited in the past. That's a... That's... I haven't returned them. <laughs> that's... Look, I've read them anyway. I don't even need them. Ted's I... just pondering on the creatures that he has seen and read about, and he's not exactly even bound by the rules of a druid anymore and can just kind of start morphing into general things and creatures just kind of, you know, in a, less, in a much less structure, structured fashion than your typical druid can and does so yes he's he's coming up with some ideas um in the lightning damage immunity department um as well as the Ooh. cause a big ruckus department emphasis big big ruckus you're gonna cram a whole elephant on the bridge of the valor of jux i'm gonna cram a young dragon onto <laughs> onto the valor of jux this is maybe a crazy question would it be public knowledge if alabaster ravenwood is a wizard 
Um, like, like would would his magical aptitude be known? As yeah, like, like a... if he could, if we could find out if somebody knew on a scale of one to twenty what that aptitude was <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> or if even if gnomes just have like a target dossier where they're like, we're yeah. A hundred percent sure that this person is the captain of the ship. Here's Studies what magic. we know about their abilities. Or doesn't. Um, you do. He's a, he's a buccaneer. Kind of high priority targets. They do have. Uh, they have like a roster of. They have a crew manifest, um, okay. and they have dossiers on all of the bridge crew. Um, I and, would like to scan the full, like, crew dossier roster, even though I'm sure that's, like, hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, there's a lot of just, people on there. Just to, like, get you know, You know a good chunk away. of them. Fuck. Uh-huh. I uh, knock on Desmond's cabin, and or Desmond's quarters, and with a empty flask and ask him for, if he'd be willing to share some of his spirits. For a refill? Yeah, Leolin doesn't typically carry alcohol, but after <laughs> typical battle, he's gonna start carrying some alcohol into. <laughs> on your on your way down the hall, um, you you walk past a, a giant plant monster. <laughs> if it's in Ched's room, then it's like it doesn't even phase me at this it's point. It's like it's a shambling it's like... mound. Oh, I it's very large. Immune to lightning? He wasn't. Yes, and he was inspired oh. by the uh, the uh, the fan the fortress that the, we turned the into fan soup. fortress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living plants. He's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I can work with that. I can work with that. Just oh, make that into a I'm make that into hedge. a. Instead of being a fortress, just make it by a bipedal creature. Uh huh. Delightful. Yeah. So it looks less like, you know, the shambling mound you're going to find in the D&D manual and more like hedges. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> thick hedges. It, you wave at Leyland as he goes by. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shakes his head, but Captain willing to share, share a drink for the coming battle. Desmond, do you provide... Desmond? Desmond the Divine would have provided. <laughs> uh, Major Leyland to uh, Captain Desmond. You can also just take one. Yeah, <laughs> my guess. He's not there and just, just grab a bottle. He's not going to notice it. Take gone. a bottle off what I think is the cheap rack because it's out and not hidden. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> that seems very reasonable. The cheap stuff's the best. It's, it's all the cheap rack in Desmond's cabin. Uh, do you provide Leyland with a beverage, Captain Desmond? I suppose. Okay. He tops off your flask. Who, who am I <laughs> to not top off <laughs> a fellow crewmate? Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, Leolin has enough enough booze to get at least two people drunk. Well, after he walks out of the room, he mutters a little incantation and like a little bit of shadow creeps into the flask. And he closes the lid. 
Ooh, spicy. Delightful. Okay. Um anything anything else you you all want to take care of? I think I'm uh if I can I... start making a disguise, I would like to do that. I assume there's supplies around, but yes. Um I'm just like a mid-ranking Juxian airman kind of I mean, that's always been the case. Yeah. I make well, sure that the children Ivy, TJM, uh, any of the dwarves that aren't coming with us, I make sure they're all set in uh, the tents that have been provided for us. It's probably cramped <laughs> with all those people, but... You... Okay, so here's, here's the thing. Um... No, I have to remember what the spell is called. Oh. oh, the one of Morgan. Yeah. So what happens is, um, you you go to Basil and Ivy's cottage and you see that, um, everything breakable in there <laughs> has either been put in safe storage or is suspended <laughs> in like some kind of. Uh, impact absorbing gel. <laughs> and um, you can see that the back door out of their cottage is open, and on the other side is a magnificent foyer, uh, and you can glimpse numerous chambers beyond it. Um, and uh, Basil is is kind of in there poking at some of the the decorations um when you go in and he um turns around and he says we've been working on a new spell uh see it's an extra dimensional <laughs> space that is completely divorced from reality except for this entryway which we can shut <laughs> i love it <laughs> Could probably put the organs in there too. Yeah, if, uh, if they're uh, amenable to well, that. I I do ask. I'm like, so about the orphans Desmond stole? <laughs> can they stay here? Stole? <laughs> from your own Yes, I know. It's strong it's... verb. <laughs> you stole them from your own orphanage. Let's get that clear. <laughs> to be fair, nobody else wanted them. Reacquisition. <laughs> Reacquisitioned. Um, yeah, the parentally deficient. <laughs> uh, Basil says, "Yeah, we kind of figured that there would be some people on the crew who didn't want to, you know, do the whole flying into combat thing, and also we did yeah. notice that there were children on board. Yeah. So, uh, that, that, yeah, we're we're going to get them back to the orphanage soon, but this this comes first." We've so, been working on this for a while. We're pretty proud of it, he says, looking around. Uh, it took took a while to get all of the uh, all of the stuff right, but you know, I think this will be a big hit back at the Hall of Mysteries. Yeah, th- this is impressive. Uh, not not quite dwarven engineered, but you know, I, I would gladly uh, go over some stonework stuff. As Farag looks at the stairs that are distinctly not marble. <laughs> just um, uh, yeah. But yeah, this is this is fantastic. I I'd love to to work with you if there are any upgrades to be made. A ghostly figure uh wearing 
a fully visible waistcoat uh, kind oh. of sweeps out of a door carrying a tray and it lifts the lid and there's little canapes on there. Oh. Uh, and Basil pops one in his mouth. He's like, I'm I'm real happy with this. <laughs> you, good. You deserve to be. This is well done. As the orphans are being loaded away into the mansion, I assume <laughs> EJM is with them just waddling along. I'm going to... I'm going to pull TJM aside for just a moment and kneel down there, give a little pat on the head and say, Now, now TJM, I gots to go fight a war up in the sky. You be good now, you hear? You be good! I give him a big hug. Uh, he releases a, a puff of spores that emulates the emotions that you are trying to convey. You always remember TJM. The sky is not a limit, it's an invitation. He doesn't understand what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then I put on my serious pauldron and I get ready for war. Your serious pauldron. Okay, wait, what what war paint is going on? For, oh, for this that is a good question. I think um the war paint that Tarjux comes out with is a a dark mirror of Juxian war paint, where the um the diamond is now a spade and the heart is black and upside down. Oh my god. So it's goodness. really just like a spade and then most of a spade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. Equivalent <laughs> <sighs> of seeing like the pirate skull and bones like flag being yeah. coming your way. Yeah, yeah, but there's also um, there's also a black teardrop because uh, this is a sorrowful event. Sure is. <laughs> and and mascara. Of course. Because we have to look our best. God damn it! <laughs> All right, your preparations are made. Um, the lightning lightning grounding wire, I guess, is installed. And the next day, uh, as night begins to fall, the valor of Jux appears in the air on the on the horizon. And that's oh. where we're going to stop. So, um, I've been Joe, your host and Dungeon Master, for another thrilling D&D adventure. Sorry if the end kind of dragged on a little bit there, but <laughs> we we got some good stuff out of it. Um if you wish to get in touch with us, you can do so at thealchemistclub88 at gmail.com or thealchemistsclub88 at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on any podcast hosting platform of your choice. Matthew, what are our socials? Find us at thealchemist underscore club on Twitter and at thealchemistclub on TikTok. And our intrepid adventurers today were... Daniel, playing Chad Fleek. Daniel, playing Desmond. I'm Zach, and I play Falrock. I'm Matt, and I play Leyland. Awful playing Tarjax Heiko. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>